וגם אני פתאום רואה את Welcome to Kolot. This is your host, Rabbi Hillel Kappenstein, director of the Columbus Community Kolot, and it's a great honor and privilege to welcome you to our next episode entitled Community. Community is something that's always been special uh, and close to heart uh, for myself and my family. Um, my dad was a, um, you know, is still today director of a school So a lot of this stuff is close to home, caring about the community, and today we're going to have a very special guest who also uh, cares a lot about community, and it's interesting how in the word community you have the word unity, U-N-I-T-Y is are the last five letters of the word community, and I think as we approach Shavuos, although this, may, uh, this might air right after Shavuos, but it'll be a nice takeaway from Shavuos that the entire Jewish people stood at Mount Sinai. The Almighty did not want only one type or this or that. It, the entire Jewish people stood at Mount Sinai as the Almighty um, revealed himself to all of us. So this is really um, apropos. And without any further ado, allow me to tell you about our guest. <laughs> Robert H. Schottenstein is chairman of the board, chief executive officer, and president of MI Homes, a public company listed on the New York Stock Exchange and one of the largest home builders in the United States. Based in Columbus, Ohio, the company has home building operations in Cincinnati, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Detroit, Michigan, Charlotte, and Raleigh, North Carolina. Nashville, Tennessee, Tampa, Orlando, and Sarasota, Florida, and Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Texas. Since its founding in 1976, MI Homes has sold nearly 150,000 homes and has established an exemplary reputation based on a strong commitment to superior customer service, quality construction, premier locations, and building a better home. Bobby, thank you so much for joining Colotes. Rabbi, it's great to see you, and thanks for having me. Thank you. I want to ask you, as today we're talking about community, and I remember the first time uh, where we um, where we sat down and schmoozed for a little bit. It was in the old office, although it wasn't that old, but uh, semi-recently um, uh, you guys moved. But in the, your prior office, we sat down, we schmoozed a lot, and I remember you telling me a lot about your dad and your family And I, wanted, I, I thought that might be a nice way to open the program. If you could share with us some of the things that you learned from your father, from your family, as it relates to community, and how you think that some of those lessons could apply today. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate that. And um, I love talking about m both my parents, uh, both my mom and my dad, uh, really cared a great deal about people humanity, uh, the greater good. Um, they both believed that um, we were very fortunate to be in the position we were in and that we had an obligation to help others. And uh, my, my dad in particular, during the, area that, the era that he grew up, uh, he became very involved in 
in both the general, but in particular the Jewish community, and uh, never shied away from a leadership role. Uh, that in itself was was inspiring and noticed by me and my siblings. Uh, his passion for helping the Jewish people was intense. And um, he, he believed very strongly that we had a moral obligation to uh, help the Jewish people, to help everyone. But, um, but it, it, it began with the Jewish people, uh, sort of the notion that uh, tzedakah begins at home mm-hmm. um, and then goes from there. But um, my dad, uh, we chaired the Federation, chaired the Columbus Jewish Foundation. At the time, they were separate organizations. Chaired a number of the campaigns, capital campaigns for various organizations. Was a major force behind, at the time, a major reconstruction of the Jewish Community Center. Um, uh, with co-chaired the uh, the very significant Operation Exodus campaign of the late 80s, which helped underwrite the massive um, migration of Jews out of the former Soviet Union, many of them going to Israel, but certainly many of them coming to the United States and some facts settling in Columbus. So um, uh, my dad was a living example of uh, of giving back and of caring, and um, I'm lucky that I that I had that example. I'm very very lucky, very fortunate. Um, uh, I, I I try to live up to that. Uh, I've always tried to live up to that. I had great admiration for him, and frankly, so many other of his friends and cohorts. Who were uh, who were really right. who, who were some? well? His his business partner was Mal Schottenstein, right? Equally equally committed, uh, not just to the general community, but to the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And as a young, as a young person in my, you know, from the time I was probably nine, 10, 11 years old through college, uh, the work that Mellon Irving did on behalf of the community was extraordinary. Um, uh, as I got into my late twenties, uh, Les Wexner, uh, was, in many ways, the personification of giving back and the personification of caring about community and his example, his leadership was transformative, not just for our city, but for so many, including me. So I was sort of lucky to be able to hopefully be influenced in the right way by these people. And, um, you know, would I have done what I've, tried to do without that influence, I don't know, but I doubt that I would have done it uh, with as much force or intentionality because I was very moved um, by what they did. Wow. So, okay. I'm jotting down a bunch of different things. Cause like you mentioned a lot and I want to try to see if we could dissect all of them, but maybe for starters, what was like your entry to community involvement? Um, how did it all begin? Because we have a lot of young listeners. We have, we have a pretty diverse group of, uh, of listeners, but there's been a special focus with young people getting involved. Um, and I know that the, we could talk about the leadership cohort of, um, down, you know, later in this episode, but I want to know how you got involved because I'm sure people could 
in some way, of course, it's a different society and things are different, but they could, I, I'm sure people could identify in some way. So I'm curious, someone like yourself who's been so successful in community involvement, what was your entry? Well, uh, when I was probably in my uh, early 20s, uh, my older brother, Gary, was active uh, with what was called the Young Men's Division of the Columbus Jewish Federation. Uh And at that time, that was a very forceful and effective group. And, uh, you know, uh, Gary's involvement, uh, I admired and I wanted to also get involved and I did. And I found it very rewarding. And it's, for me, it's always been hard to just be a little involved. Um, it's like once you sort of get in, you, you tend to really uh, get more and more involved. Um, when my uh, oldest, uh, we decided to send her in kindergarten to the Columbus Tour Academy. And shortly thereafter, uh, this would have been in the early 80s, I was asked to join the Tour Academy board. and I didn't know anything about schools, but I cared about the school that my daughter and then my second daughter and then my son went to back then. And I joined the Torah Academy board. And within a few years after joining the board, the leadership of the board encouraged me to consider uh, becoming chair of that board, which uh, (laughs) I I probably wasn't qualified by any measure, but um, uh, in 1985, I became chair of that board. I was 33. And uh, I ended up chairing it for five years. I think the lesson in there is you should never take on a chairmanship without identifying your successor. <laughs> um, that's, that's a half joke, but not really a joke. Um, but I, uh, it was a very powerful uh, formative experience for me because there were different constituencies. The school was growing dramatically back then. It was the only school. We didn't have two schools in the city then. The enrollment was pushing K through a 250 students. And so um, it was quite a, uh, quite an important community institution and uh, help helping sort of lead the board during those years uh, was, was really a, a tremendous educational community experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, you, you, uh, you were involved with the Federation, and then sometime um, after your intense involvement, you got re-involved. You were called up, I guess you could say. You were called up again. Um, that was a very, very interesting time, I guess, will go down in the books of Columbus uh, Jewish history. Uh, the merging of the Federation and the Foundation, and I know that there's probably so much that went on, so much you know, sweat, blood, and tears. Um, tell us a little bit from, you know, from your, you know, from from your t- side of the table, what was that process like? Because you really did something that people thought, no, never going to happen. And now looking back, how do you think things have shaken up, ha- fared out? How do you think that things have come out it, as a result? Yeah, well, if, if you go back when when I first got involved in the young men's division, you know, this would have been in the mid to late seventies. Uh, there, the Columbus Jewish Federation and the Columbus Jewish Foundation were one organization. It was in the, I think, the early 80s, and the exact dates is not that significant, but it was at some point in the early 80s when a decision was made by our community leaders to separate 
the two organizations, to split them apart so that they each became standalone mm-hmm. uh, 501c organizations with their own separate boards, their own separate CEOs, and their own separate board chairs. So for the better part of 35 years or so, uh, they operated uh, separately. And um, uh, the uh, uh, I think that while both organizations did a lot of really good work, at least beginning with around 2008, 9, 10, 11, um, there became a growing realization that we might be better off bringing them back together again, that perhaps together they could be more effective. And, you know, not everyone agreed. And there were, and I was sort of on the sidelines at that point. I had, I had previously been board chair of the Federation. I had chaired the campaign. I had I'd sort of put in my time, not that you ever are done putting in your time, but I had given a lot of my time. And at that point in my life, I was not even on the board anymore, but the momentum began to build within certain constituencies that we should try to bring these two organizations together. It's very difficult. In truth, uh, uh, Audrey Tuckerman, who was board chair of the separate federation, and Jim Bowman, who was board chair of the separate foundation, they were driving it, but they had to convince their respective boards and we had, and they had to get buy-in from the community. I believed it was absolutely the right thing to do, but I was not driving the, the I, I said, I'll help, but I wasn't driving that, uh, that ship or steering that ship. But um, when it looked like it might get done, um, they came to me they and others, and said, we think we can make this happen. Would you be willing to be the board chair of this newly formed, recombined, if you will, organization? We didn't even know what the name was. At first, we were going to call it the Columbus Jewish Partnership or the Columbus Jewish this. Didn't want to call it the Federation because then the foundation side felt uh, marginalized. Didn't want to call it foundation or the Federation side would feel marginalized. We didn't want anyone to feel marginalized, so they came up with a new name, Jewish Columbus, and I agreed to serve as the so-called uh, founding board chair, and it was a tremendous amount of work. Um, I thought it would be, but we pretty much started from scratch, even though we had a lot of institutional momentum, if you will. We also had a lot of institutional challenges bringing these two together, and um, I think there's a temptation within these organizations to try to do a lot because a lot needs to be done, Mm -hmm. but um, it's hard to do more than a few things. Well, Mm -hmm. and I felt very strongly and luckily so did this new board that we would be better off trying to do two or three or four things. If we could really well than seven, eight or nine. Uh, And it was with that sort of a mindset um, go slow to go fast, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that, that this, that we, that we launched it and got it going, put together, I think a terrific board, uh, re-engaged all of our local agencies who really are, they're, they're the service providers. They're the lifeblood of, in many ways, our Jewish community, Jewish communal life. And I think, um, I couldn't be more pleased with where it is. The campaign is growing again. And it's, you know, it's, it's not just about the money, but let's face it, um, without the money, it's hard to do the work. 
Exactly. Um, there are people in need. There are organizations in need. And uh, it's all about finding ways to, to help. Um, there were a lot, though, that were questioning whether an umbrella organization, which is what Jewish Columbus is, just like United Way is an umbrella organization within the general community. There were a lot of people that were questioning the merit in 2018, 2017 of umbrella organizations, people would rather give directly to Mm -hmm. an institution. Why do I have to give to the umbrella? Mm -hmm. I'd rather give directly to my particular cause. Mm -hmm. And so we had to convince people that um, while an umbrella might not be needed every day, it does rain sometime. Yes. And if there is no umbrella organization, some places get wet and some places stay dry but for a community to really thrive a lot all the pieces and parts need to be attended to and supported and that's one unique role that an umbrella can play now that that's that is so on target you know a couple months ago we interviewed on the show david heller from cleveland who is unbelievable leader in the jewish community right superstar and he yes. said, I'll talk umbrella organization all day long, you know, and he made the point that it's impossible or very hard, at least for every single individual to be involved in every single organization. And they're all important. But if you have an umbrella that covers everyone they're they're kind of doing that work for you. My, my right. question, here's my question, though, and I think this is what a lot of, you know, people my age bracket, um, whatever that means, but they might say okay so you have a five or ten million dollar campaign something in the in that neighborhood um what's my five hundred dollars going to do what's my thousand dollars going to do it's not even a drop in the bucket how do you respond to that notion well first of all um uh there's all kind of ways to respond to that every gift every contribution does matter they add up if if this just became a organization that only cared about quote major gifts. Um, I think you do a disservice to those who, who not only may want to participate, but in my view have an obligation to participate. And, you know, the, the, the idea behind supporting community organizations is to do what you can do is to, is, is, you know, there are some people that, whose $500 gift is a higher quality gift in terms of personal commitment than someone that might give $25,000 where it doesn't even mean anything to them. Now, look, you take them both, but, but it's about the quality of the commitment, not the quantity of the commitment. Beautiful. And two things can be true. You need the quantity, but the quality. And then the other thing is everybody starts someplace mm-hmm. and, Someone who gets involved today, even if it's a $250, you know, 20 years from now could be making one of the most significant gifts in the community from having seen firsthand over many years just how important these organizations are. Now that That is incredible. And I remember you did a gig um, maybe three years ago or so with Liz Shaffron, and you talked about this idea. And then the idea, um, the three T's. Uh, I wrote them down, time, talent, and treasure, whether it's, you know, tre- okay, so gifts are one thing, but your time, volunteering, and helping out, and your talent, how, you know, what you could bring to the table. So it's, it yes, the take like you said, the, whether it's the 500 or the 25,000, take them both, 
but they're both they're they're part of that. It's really what Umbrella is all about: keeping the entire. Um, and, and and the other thing I really want to emphasize on, I, I, you know, sometimes uh, what's that old line? Never waste a crisis. Um, yeah. Somewhere within the word crisis is the root of another word meaning opportunity, and. Uh, in the aftermath, just after we formed Jewish Columbus, Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh happened, right? And the horror of seeing anti-Semitic terror in our backyard and Pittsburgh could have been Columbus. And since then there have been others, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, historically we worried about the safety and security of Jews in Israel or in countries throughout the world where it wasn't so safe to be a Jew. But now, sadly, security in our own backyard has become a critical issue. And without an umbrella organization, how do you organize security? Let me state it differently. Let's just say the JCC was able to put together a terrific security plan for the JCC. But Hillel wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If all Jews can't be safe, dropping their kids off at preschool or attending Torah Academy or the Columbus Jewish Day School or attending a function at Hillel or going to synagogue, if, we, if we're not safe everywhere, everywhere, we're not safe anywhere. Well said. And we don't need 20 different protocols for security. What we need is a really strong protocol for security generally, and only an umbrella organization can bring all, some organizations were better equipped to handle it financially. Some had no capacity to do so. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. Shortly after I became chair, this all trans, and we created Jewish Columbus, this all happened. Mm-hmm. And we convened a meeting. It was, I think, I think it's a historic meeting in our city. I don't know if we've ever had one before where every temple and synagogue and every Jewish institution, their, their, their CEOs or rabbis and their board chairs were invited to a meeting. We had probably 60 people in the room. And the sole purpose of the meeting was for Jewish Columbus to stand up and say, we own this security issue, not because we think we're smarter, but because we represent, broadly speaking, the community. And our goal, working with all of you, is to come up with not only the funding, but the protocols to make certain that your organizations are as safe as they can be from bad guys and bad actors. And um, that was a seminal moment in terms of reinforcing this old question of do we really need umbrella organizations Mm -hmm. after Pittsburgh happened? There weren't a lot of people asking that question anymore. In fact, it was like, we need help from the umbrella. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I think that the response to that has also been a big win for Jewish Columbus. And let's face it, it's very expensive before Pittsburgh we didn't have to spend as a community one and a half to $2 million a year for security. Now we do. Where's that money come from? We've gotten some support from the state of Ohio. And I think some from the federal government, but most of it is coming from Jews, Mm -hmm. Jews contributing to the, to Jewish Columbus in order to help underwrite 
this critically important community cause or community need. Right. No, and I love how you say that if we're not all safe, no one is safe. And that's really the Jewish spirit. Um, I, we are our brother's keeper. We, uh, True. we do look out for one another. Um, I want to ask you about models that you look at. Because I remember one time you were telling me about the uh, how, you know, even though you're very proud of your organization, it's not beyond you to look at other ones, um, other federations or other places to say, wow, I, I want to strive and maybe in one area to be like them. I remember you mentioned the Chicago Federation, which um, your sister Linda, a good friend of ours, um, is um, is involved with. Tell us a little bit about what you've learned, because it's an impressive thing to have a great gig locally, but still have the humility to look and learn from somewhere else. So can you tell us about some of the things that you've learned from other organizations? Look, I, I think as a ma- in terms of strong organizations that have strong leadership, you got to be your own worst critic. <laughs> you, you, you can't just sit there and beat yourself up, but you've got to take a thoughtful, reflective look at your strengths and your weaknesses. And oftentimes those strengths and weaknesses are more clearly revealed by comparing or benchmarking yourself against other organizations that at least reputationally are viewed as high-performance organizations. You mentioned uh, Gary Heller in Cleveland. Um, uh, uh, The Cleveland Federation is one of the strongest in the country. By the way, their foundation and federation were together. Chicago, where my sister Linda, who was also inspired by my parents, has a major leadership role. She has a major leadership role within uh, international Jewish organizations as well. And now my daughter, Alyssa, who lives in Chicago, has just taken on a major, major leadership role within the Chicago Federation. But these are federated uh, uh, organizations that have made enormous uh, impact uh, in terms of success and, and, and strengthening uh, Jewish life in their respective cities. And, uh, yes, um, whether it's in the area of leadership development, frankly, missions to Israel, which we had sort of let, you know, taken our eye off the ball for more than a decade, almost two decades. We learned a lot about mission programs from the Detroit Federation. Uh, they have one of the best mission programs in the country. And, you know, rather than, rather than trying to figure, yes, rather than trying to figure out what we should do. Let's start out with looking and see what they do. And if it looks good, let's copy it. That, you know, that's so interesting. A, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Steve Steinauer of Huntington yes. Bank. And Steve said, yeah, he went on the Detroit Federation mission trip to Israel. And it changed about five years ago. It, right? cha- it was a changing experience for him. And I thought to myself when he told me that, why didn't we do that? And But I was glad he went. But it was a lesson in what organized community can do. If they're if they've got the correct correct organizational structure and correct strategy, you can really begin to do really good work. Incredible. Um, and my last question is: um, this idea of us sitting da- uh, sitting down and having this interview really just popped into my head after an event. It was an incredible event. It was it was like 
I almost felt like, you know, there's this phrase in Judaism, that um, the resurrection of the dead. And like having that event, the Lachayim 614 event, after two years or so, plus minus whatever, of not being able to do things the same. And like we've all, you know, been able to come out like this stronger together um, and to celebrate like that. And then, you know, having seen yourself speak and some others really like, you know, we should do an episode on that. What were some of your takeaways? Because. As someone, you know, as a 30-year-old, I was looking around seeing how many young people came and from all parts of the community, from, you know, doesn't matter, you know, how involved, observant they were. They were there and the very observant were very, you know, were very involved too. And that was really refreshing for me to see because I think people do want to get involved. I think the message is resonating. What were some of your takeaways? I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I thought it was First of all, I thought the venue was phenomenal. Right, the rooftop, yeah. They it was at the, on the rooftop of the National Veterans Memorial and Museum. Uh, I had never been on the rooftop there, although I'd been to the museum, and the views of the city were spectacular. It was a gorgeous night. I it was exceptionally well attended. There had to be I don't know two three hundred people there, maybe more. Right, many of them I had never met, um, which was even better. Uh, lots of uh, young people. Um, the only, you know, the, the only criticism I had for that event was that it was such a joyful, uh, spirited evening that no one really wanted to take the time to listen to any speeches. Now, there weren't many speeches given, but there were a number of people that got special awards mm-hmm. for great service to the community. And when it was time for their awards to be conferred and their speeches to be made, I'm not sure that a lot of the room could, or a lot of the, the people there could really hear it that clearly. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I thought it was a great event in hindsight. It would have been great maybe to just have a few quiet moments to tell the story of why Jewish Columbus matters so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but basically all in all, I rate the event a solid a and um, just, it's great to see people there. They wouldn't have been there if they didn't care. And now we need to continue to build on that. That's a that's that's an opportunity again to continue to bring more people in and get more people involved and give people a chance to see up close why it matters so much. Sure, sure. And and we didn't know that the Jewish Columbus CEO could DJ, so that was something that we also learned that night. And and speaking of Joel, um, it it, it is I do want to give him a shout out for the excitement that he was able to embed in the young. Um, under 40 demographic to have friends giving four and five digit gifts to Jewish Columbus is incredible to see. And uh, I'm sure the entire board and the entire leadership has what to do with it all. And, but to see Joel, like, you know, be a friendly face where these people could come in is, 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 is heartwarming because it brings that unity message to all of this. Well, I agree. And, uh, and I'm glad you brought him up. So I become chair of Jewish Columbus we create this brand new organization and we bring in a brand new CEO, Joe Markovich. So he and I sort of started side by side and uh, he's brought tremendous spirit, tremendous enthusiasm. His passion for the work of the organization is, is just, you know, over the top. He cares deeply. He's, he knows his stuff. And um, I just, I think he's been great for the organization. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. This was, you know, 
I actually really should give one other person a shout out. When I came to Columbus in 2016, so that was in the middle of like things starting to um, evolve a little bit. And I used to meet regularly with Larry Moses, and who's been a tremendous, um, very insightful, well thought. And we used to like, you know, you know, go through like different things that were going on in my work. And, and like, you know, so Larry, what would you advise? What would you suggest? And he, one of the things he suggested was, I know that right now things are quiet with the Federation and your networking and programming, but just hang in there. Just be a little patient. We're getting there. We really are. And he said it like a few times where I'm like, okay, all right, you got me. And lo and behold, this all happened. So this is, well, you're bringing up some of the best people and Larry, I've had the honor and the privilege of knowing Larry well for a long time. Uh, We've been on trips together. We've been in the foxhole together. Uh, He's a go-to person. Uh, his, uh, his insights into community, uh, his insights into the Jewish world. Uh, he's pretty much retired. He was formerly, you know, running the Wexner Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed the baton to an equally talented individual in Elka Abrahamson, uh, Rabbi Elka Abrahamson. But Larry, uh, yeah. We're, we've got a lot of fabulous people in our community, which is, you know, what, I mean, it's the old line, you win with people. And um, we got a lot of winners. A lot of winners. And Larry's come to the Kolel to talk about his mom surviving the war. And, and you know, I still remember that, you know, even though it was a good few years ago, beautiful message. And uh, thankfully, um, we have plenty of role models. Um, and, and, you know, my... My message to all the young people is take advantage of what we have. Let's capitalize on it. Let's build on it. Um, the campaign is closing in just a few weeks. I, uh, from what I understand, I spoke to Joel earlier and I said, Joel, when's the campaign fi- finishing? We're doing this. Uh, we're doing this recording today. And Joel said, I think June 30th. Is that right? I think that's about right. All right. So Bobby, one last message to all those who maybe didn't get on board yet. Look, um, Judaism is not a spectator sport. Get in the game. You have a role to play. When you look in the mirror at night, you have to ask yourself, do I care about the Jewish community? The answer is yes. You have to ask yourself, what am I doing about it? And hopefully you've got a good answer. It's not just about money, but there, but that is part of it. Sadaka is a foundational uh, mitzvah concept command within our, within our religion. It all hunts back to tikkun olam and making the world a better place. And, um, uh, you know, if you can afford a dollar a day, you give $365. There you go. If you can afford $10 a day, you can do the math. Figure out what you think is right for you and step up. I love that. And, and, you know, they even offer, um, you could do payment plans. You could do run a card monthly. There are different ways and everyone right. can find what works for them. Well, Bobby, this was, this was a real treat every time we get to sit down and talk, um, whether it's on camera or off camera and, um, from the Colel, definitely want to express our appreciation for your leadership and your support for not just our organization, but the entire Columbus community. Um, we're very, very lucky to have you. And uh, may the Almighty continue to bless you and your family with only much um, success, health, and happiness. Well, Hillel, look, uh, that goes both ways. Um, 
we talked about people that have made a difference in our community. While you've only been here maybe five or six years, you're one of them. And it's, it's, it's an honor to know you. It's an honor to be supportive of things that you've led, spearheaded, um, making a huge difference. Uh, we got to keep you in Columbus. And, um, you know, I'm glad to call you my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Looking forward to our getting together next time. Me too. To listen to all Colo's episodes and see upcoming guests, visit colopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Colot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Colot is a project of the Columbus Community Colel, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men, and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvahs at the Colel. Whether it's a study partner, engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.